Hello, I'm Roger, the Marketing Manager for 3DBLM. In this focused podcast 1-3 from Gene Irwin, entitled, What People 40 Plus Have Tried to Do to Generate More Income, and in some cases tried to start a business. 1. What most 40 plus people tried to generate income. What worked? What didn't? 2. Why nearly all attempts in generating income failed. 3. What income generating challenges face them now, and 4. What can Gene Irwin do to give some insight on what will work for you? My name is Roger. I'm the marketing manager for the 3D business launch model. I'm here to introduce to you the genius behind the breakthrough idea that anyone over 40 plus can succeed in starting a new business. These focused and extremely skilled men and women have experiences and resources and are now ready to prove they have the talent, drive, and fortitude to create their own profitable business. They just want just a little more direction and coaching in their growth trajectory to help get them from where they are now into a successful business they can discover, create and grow. It is my distinct honor to introduce to you someone who has been through the challenges of creating businesses through his 40s, 50s and 60s. He is your advocate in finding, creating and developing your own business. He has created over $250 million for others, financially evaluated over 3,000 small businesses for acquisition, and assisted three companies to go public through the IPO process. He is Gene Irwin, a real engineer with chemical engineering, mechanical engineering and even nuclear engineering credentials. And he knows how to help you succeed in business. He recently created the 3D business launch model, which helps people throughout the world with unique strategies which propel them to success through his detailed courses, online video library, and what is very unusual in this industry, direct mentoring and personal coaching at a very high level. In this focused podcast 1-3, you will hear 1. What most 40-plus people tried to generate income, and what worked, what didn't. 2. Why nearly all attempts in generating income failed. 3. What income-generating challenges face you now, and 4. What can Gene Irwin do to give you insight on what will work for you? My friend, as you are listening to this, here is a man who will give you concepts that are sound, and support that is real. I'm truly excited to introduce him to you. Please meet Gene Irwin. Hello, this is Gene Irwin of the 3D Business Launch Model bringing to you today as the host of the podcast, How at 40 Plus You Can Succeed in Starting a New Business. This new podcast 1-3 focuses on what you've tried in the past to generate more income, perhaps start a business, and discovered that moonlighting or a second part-time job for the most part wasn't as productive as you had hoped. We will also begin to introduce to you how to improve your situation with insights of what will work for you at the end of this podcast. It will be worth your time to stay with me. As I've often said, some of the recent problems you face aren't helping you reach the quality of life or position or challenges you were expecting or hoped for. I have lived by the following position statement when it comes to cash flow. Whatever I'm doing today to generate more income won't impact my cash flow for at least two weeks. This is especially true for working for others and in most cases working for yourself. Why? Cash flow takes time to generate. Most people think that when you make a sale and you get paid, you now have cash flow. Nope, doesn't work that way. Not the case. Let me share with you an old adage that perhaps most of you have heard in one form or another when it comes to cash flow. It pertains to all types of businesses, people you work for, people who you work for yourself. It pertains to all types of businesses, whether you're self-employed, 
independent contractor, or work for someone else. During the springtime in the Midwest state, there are roadside markets which pop up everywhere in the country, trying to sell fresh produce to the passing consumer market. A passing consumer market. Now there is an interesting topic. Permit me to enter a segue into our brief story. Many years ago, when on a brief excursion during our honeymoon, we drove down Highway 1 south of Monterey, California. It was a beautiful drive punctuated with brief views of the ocean, trees, and this little small towns and tourist stops along the way. We would stop for 20 or 30 minutes in locations. I observed the various types of mostly retail stores which caused me to contemplate wanting to move out there and develop and create my own shop. Then the let's pump the brake lights, warning light, lit up in my mind. This is me talking to myself. Are you nuts? The cost of living in California, especially on the coast, has to be enormous compared to where we're from. Not to mention, you would have to stop the work you're doing now, find buyers and sell the house, create a way to transfer my wife's educational credentials, and she's a remarkable elementary teacher, find a potential location for a retail-like store, find an affordable housing situation, figure out a way to move the dog, deal with family separations, and on and on and on. This brief internal discussion with myself lasts about 30 seconds every time I get the unrealistic idea of moving out and starting over. In fact, I mentally never got past the word affordable because it wasn't even close. We all have this internal discussion every time we see something we may wish to pursue in business and personal life. The problem is we gloss over the many challenges that reasoning begins to bring to our attention. And so we move on down the road. Back to our little roadside produce stand analogy. With young men trying to sell fresh produce to the passing consumer market. First, the cash flow discussion, then an overall bird's eye view of what is really going on in that little market. One of the products that the eager sellers wish to market were fresh watermelons. Who can resist the taste and joy which comes from eating fresh cold watermelon? These young entrepreneurs were the children of the farmers who produced hundreds of various fruits and vegetables which were then transported into towns and various farm-to-market venues. The boys of the vegetable stand agreed to buy their initial supply of watermelons using their dad's pickup truck for a dollar each. When I was a kid, we bought watermelons at the store for four cents a pound, or about 80 cents for a 20-pound watermelon. I just checked with the prices today. The average watermelon at Kroger's is now $4.99, an increase of 624% when I was a kid. These young men, as managers, decided to sell their watermelons for $1 each, which would have been about average in my younger years. By noon, they had sold all the melons brought in their first pickup load delivery and went back for another load of about 30 melons, also purchased at $1 each. At the end of the day, focusing just on the cash flow from the watermelons, the boys discovered that they bought 60 melons for $60. They also sold all 16 melons for the gross amount of, you guessed it, $60. Realizing they didn't make a profit on their melon sales, they explained the dilemma to one of their non-farming parents. The advice received was, well, you just need a bigger truck to sell more melons. Someone doesn't get the concept of being a business. The concept of cash flow isn't just the amount of money that goes out for raw goods, or in this case, melons. And it isn't just about the money received from the sale of those melons. From this example, the cost of melons was the exact same as the sales of the melons. But there were hidden costs 
in this transaction that our bird's eye view will briefly explain. In either creating the roadside stand, renting the place to have customers park, buying electricity for the lights and coolers, perhaps leasing some form of water for fruit and vegetable preparations, this little venture began to cost money before the first customer ever showed up. And that assumes that the stand used to house the sellers, greet the buyers, and cleanly support the products didn't cost anything to move, build, operate, and eventually remove. In the case of the melons, the actual cash flow is defined as follows. A. Total revenue received by direct sales of the melons less. The total initial cost of buying the melons less. Cost of transportation, fuel, lease, or rent a vehicle wear and tear less. Costs of operations of the roadside stand less. Any license costs less. Any taxes not collected from customers who didn't expect to pay roadside tax anyway. And any overhead costs to operate the business, i.e. wages, etc. Thus, the real cash flow for selling melons was most likely very negative. And you most likely thought this story was just about buying and selling melons. The story I just gave you is about every income generating idea you've ever had. To add to your income now and in the recent past, there are always going to be hidden costs you didn't consider. Here's a list of ways to generate more income. Notice I didn't say cash flow. A gig economy, perhaps an online business or gas working remote. B. Moonlighting in any capacity. C. Second or third job. Ugh. Note, some full-time jobs prohibit moonlighting. D. Writing articles or blogs or podcasts. E. Commission-only part-time jobs like a real estate agent or sales agent or insurance agent or, heaven forbid, car sales or online sales. F. Independent contractor, builder, subcontractor, car repair. G. Sell things on Amazon. Sell things on Spotify. H. Have garage sales. Of course, that's eliminating access to inventory because soon you'll run out of things in your home to sell. Sell products like Amway, Mary Kay, Fuller, etc. J. Work from home for multiple jobs. K. Babysitting. L. Online teaching, coaching, training, etc. And the ever-present M. Distributing overnight newspapers. Nearly every city needs that service. Look, I get it. There may be a real need right now to work from home. I'm doing some of that right now, in fact. But what you don't know is that I'm writing content that go into my podcasts, YouTube channel, and even into some of my book or print documents. Why? Because I can use the power of leveraging my time by doing just one thing. Also, I understand the tremendous power of passive income and content marketing. You may also want to understand that my prior consulting jobs grant me substantial in excess of six figures annually in perpetual income, which permit me to write and talk and consult with you at no cost. Pretty neat, huh? Okay, so what will work for you? Before we talk about the strategy of what will work for you, let's go in the other way in our cash flow analysis. What are the costs you must cover? regardless of what it is you're trying to do to generate income. Well, pretty simple. The costs you have to cover are most likely the same you've been dealing with the last three months. Food, rent, car, utilities, credit card debt, cell phone, etc. If you choose to try to add to your income, which won't take effect for another 14 days, then I suggest you do so without adding to your costs, i.e. your travel costs, your food costs, etc. 
The primary mistake people make in getting additional income is that they don't account for the net amount they actually make after subtracting all of the related costs. Here are some of the increased costs you need to be aware of. A. Child care. B. Fuel. C. Food. D. Parking. E. Additional tools for the new job. F. Impact on your family life. G. Impact on your health. H. Loss of sleep and rest for your day job. I. Added conflict creation at work. All of the added costs above must be considered prior to committing to the new venture. Perhaps the least cost of all is just to work from home. I have created millions of dollars for other companies from a very small office in my home. How? I use the power of the phone and consulting. In the most recent cases, in both the healthcare direct provider service area and in the technical world of oil and gas development. In both cases, I have tremendous credentials which make it easy for me to advise small business owners and investors in various fields. But I paid the price, several times in fact, from a bachelor's degree of science and chemical engineering, master's work in mechanical engineering and thermodynamics, and events science research in nuclear engineering. Throughout my career, I have added financial certifications and investor advisor credentials. It also helps that I wrote books about the mergers and acquisitions business. It's important that I bought, developed, and ran my own franchises. It also helps you to know that I've mentored many people on the merits and pitfalls of franchises and other self-employment situations. Oh yeah, I paid the price and then some. So now what? Perhaps you've tried various methods to start a business and ran into some brick walls or deep canyons you just couldn't get out of. Here are a few of the problems that many people overlook when they go down the path of business development or self-employment. As they began their business, number one, they were absorbed and distracted with the wrong focus. We all get distracted at times. It's natural and human nature to lose focus sometimes throughout the day. But if you're gonna start a business, you need to prepare ahead of time, plan, focus, devise, manage your time, manage the things that go into it long before you commit major time, effort, and money in order to start your business. Number two, budget costs were incorrect. You didn't forecast properly how much it was going to take to be able to start your business. Number three, budget costs, burn rate of overhead was understated. What does that mean? That means they didn't determine properly how much funds they would need for the people that they hired, for the lease, for the fixed costs, and even some of the variable costs, and their money's gonna run out a lot sooner than they anticipated. Professional investors and credentialed people like myself will help you understand exactly what it takes and how long it'll take for you to generate cash flow, not necessarily income, but cash flow in order to develop and run your business. Number four. Cost per lead was incorrect. What the heck is a cost per lead? Cost per lead or CPL means what does it take for you to acquire a new client or prospect? How do you spend time, money, and effort to find them and where do you go to get that person's attention? Do you go online? Do you go to trade shows? Do you go door to door? Do you go in person? Do you have them come to your retail store? Do you have them come to your consulting business? What does it cost you in terms of time, money, and effort to attract one name with phone number and an email address of an individual who might have an interest in what it is that you're doing? Many people don't realize that it costs a tremendous amount of money just to find the prospect you want to talk to, okay? 
Let's give the ever-present new car salesman and that company's attitude about a new prospect. They advertise like crazy every day on radios and TVs with some of the stupidest ads you've ever heard or seen. It is true. Somehow, in the last 50 years, they haven't changed. They were stupid then, they're stupid now. Here's my point. I've often said, the problem with retail business is that the only difference between the product from one company to the other is has access to exactly the same product. The only difference is price. With that being a differentiating factor, the only way they can then compete is by various gimmicks and techniques to get you to come in this door for something else, hoping you'll buy something that will add to their bottom line, even if it's not the primary thing you came to the store for in the beginning, okay? So if you go to a dealership, you will find that the vehicle you're looking at has exactly the same color, exactly the same features, and maybe differ slightly in cost than exactly the different kind of dealership selling the same kind of product 30 miles away. Number five, didn't address client issues and challenges. Well, there's a surprise. You have a size 42 suit and the guy comes in and wants a size 38. He's not going to buy the 42 because you're not meeting the client's needs. You didn't know what he wanted to buy. So you have to address the client issues. You have to address the challenges that come with taking care of your customer. Number six, you didn't do your own research and you didn't do it correctly. I'll show you how later in some of other podcasts, but you must research the market. You must determine ahead of time before you spend any money if that's the market that you want to go into and if it's sustainable and is it competitive where you will have a distinct advantage over any competitors both near and far. Number seven, didn't do your own market analysis. How about that? Most business owners, most startups, and most acquisitions, and most entrepreneurs run into a business opportunity without much consideration of doing a market analysis. Why? Because they don't know how to do it. Why? Because they think they built a better mousetrap and people are going to just come flocking to it. Well, surprise, surprise, in this day and age, people have access to tremendous amounts of information online and, and through access to other related companies, they can easily call your competitors, they can easily go online and research about you, about your product, about your service, and make a split decision long before you ever talk to them. It's important to understand how to do market analysis. And kind of what I said earlier about dealing with the client issues and challenges, and that's this. Number eight, you didn't focus on the client solution first. Businesses fail. They don't deal with the client solution first. They want to put a website up there that tells you how great and wonderful we are, why we just hired Tommy over here and Sally over there, and they have these credentials and you're going to blah, blah, blah. has absolutely nothing to do with putting a client solution first. I've often said, you can't sell anything on the phone. What do I mean by that? There's no way to physically represent your product, service, or idea on the phone to a potential client or customer's across the street, across the state, or obviously around the country, or world for that matter. You must have somehow a face-to-face -face confrontation, that's what it is, a face-to-face -face confrontation that turns into communication with your prospect. There are three things you have to sell when you work with a client or a customer of any type. Number one, you have to sell yourself. They have to believe in you that you're going to be concerned about their needs, their wants, their desires, their requirements first. 
before they even want to listen to you about your company and how great and wonderful it is and why the product that you have from them will solve their needs and that you're going to stick around to back it up. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have bought more than one car in your lifetime? Good. Second question. How many of you bought from the same exact salesperson for the second, third, or fourth car? Yeah, it's kind of what I thought. They don't stick around and you sometimes don't trust the dealership or something happened, whatever. Very, very few people have repeat sales business in the world of automobiles that are very expensive, by the way, and very few repeat business because the salespeople don't stick around, they move around because that's the way it is. Their turnover rate is extremely high. And the same thing applies to most products of that nature. If you've ever bought a home, try and buy another one from the same person 20 years later. They're nowhere to be found. Number nine, this is going to surprise you, but a lot of people start the business and run down the road, spend six months and a couple million dollars, and lo and behold, number nine, find out they didn't have the proper licenses to even begin the business, let alone sell the product, let alone get certification from the proper authorities in order to guarantee that that product is going to be safe and sound for use, especially in the consumer market and in the industrial world. Okay? So it's important that you do your homework to write license certifications for that product or service before you try to sell it and before your business gets too old. Number 10, you don't have experience in that market or in that business. A lot of businesses fail because of lack of experience. So what do we do? We go out and try and hire somebody we believe is an expert in that business and who will help us succeed. Yay, let's do that. Problem is, your unknowledge or inexperience in that marketplace is dangerous because you don't know if they're telling you the truth. You don't know how strong they are. Unless you look carefully at their credentials, you may look, be talking to people they wanna be in your market. They wanna be consultants, but they don't have the credentials to back it up. So be very careful when you start a business that you don't have experience in that business or market. Be careful to who you trust and who you look to as your mentor. Number 11, didn't have legal protection. What do I mean? Some products and services require you to have some backup legal protection in case you get sued. It's just as simple as that. This is a litigious society. People sue at the drop of a hat, okay? So be very careful in looking at what legal protection you might need. Number 12, didn't understand bookkeeping. Well, that is a problem. Most of us aren't bookkeepers. Most of us don't pay much attention to the dollars that go in and out. But this is a business. It's your business. And if you don't pay attention to that, it'll be somebody else's business. So the goal here is to make sure all of these T's are crossed, I's are dotted, you know, the usual routine. But it's important to have someone else do the bookkeeping who knows how to do that and report to you honestly what's going on in your business and your financial cash flow. There's that word. Number 13, didn't know how to do marketing. A major failure in businesses is because they don't know how to market their product service. Just because it might be the very best new sliced bread or the best mousetrap does not mean people are going to rush to buy it. It doesn't work that way. Number 14, the new business owner and the new business didn't know how to give client excellent results. You've got to give your client excellent results if you want repeat business and if you want the word of mouth to expand your prospective group around the country and around the world, you must always bend over backwards to give excellent service. Admit early when you're wrong and share the success with those that support your product and service. For 15, didn't know how to sell. Imagine that. I didn't know how to sell. When I first became a consultant 45 years ago, I had no clue. They said, this is it, this is how it works, do you wanna buy it? 
Well, that's not exactly maybe the best way to sell something because they have no idea what I'm doing and they don't have any idea what the park will do for them. So you've heard the phrase, sell the sizzle and not the steak. Well, there's reasons why they say that. Okay, but you must know how to sell your products and services. You must become an expert at that. I'll show you how. Number 16, didn't pay attention to the competition or paid too much attention to competition not related to your product. What does that mean? If you sell a product or service that has ancillary things going on about it, for instance, let's say that you sell a particular type of fuel for vehicles, all right? Let's call it diesel fuel. But if none of the vehicles in your market have diesel engines, how many people are gonna buy your product? Pretty simple answer, none, because they can't use what you're trying to sell. You had competition, you saw other diesel sales, but they sold everything out of the area. They sold it out of the region or out of the state. You thought because there was one down the street that you can compete against him. That's not how it worked. You need to understand what your direct competition is and your indirect competition. Well, what's, what's an indirect competition? You want to go have a steak dinner. And once you have that nice steak dinner, you and your family out or yourself come home, you don't have time, money, or interest to, to buy another steak dinner that night. But two or three nights from now, you're going to be hungry again. You want to go out to dinner. You're not going to go to the same steak restaurant. You're going to go someplace else. You're going to go to a seafood restaurant. Or you might go to an Italian restaurant. They don't sell steaks there necessarily. That's not their forte. They are your indirect competition because they take away consumer dollars, expenditures that are not necessary. Those dollars are taken from you and given to a different restaurant. Number 17, the new business owner, would-be entrepreneur, failed to pay the price in an initial learning curve. Said, I'm a business owner now, but they failed to learn anything about their product, their service, their consumer, their competition, the employees they have to have, service, legal work, technical work, especially online requirements, in-person requirements, leasehold situations, support and service requirements. This is what I mean by failing to pay a price in the initial learning curve. You need to be an expert in every department of your business. And you need to learn to turn that over to other experts as you begin to hire them to expand your business. Number 18, your financial projections are all wrong. Your business didn't live up to its expectations. Your investors pulled out early and there you go, business is gone. Number 19, you focused on the wrong product. You were in the right market, just the wrong product. That happens. You need to pivot quickly and find the right product. Number 20, marketing didn't solve customers' issues. That happens a lot. Why? Because of number 21. No beta sites, no testing, no development. What does that mean? A beta site is a consumer or a recipient of industrial products that agrees to take your service and your products on and test them for their use. They don't expect to pay anything for it. They expect you to support it as if you were their golden dialed in terms of your best customer. You must bend over backwards to help that beta site learn how to use your equipment, learn how to use your product or service, and do so in such a way that they're extremely delighted with it. Then they can give you feedback, what to correct, what to change, what to improve, and take that information back. And now you've done some marketing. You know how to solve customers' issues. So on number 22, you no longer have a problem with customer feedback because you have now a beta site. That's what they're for, right? Let's call it a pilot plant project. It looks uh, gonna work on the pilot project, therefore it's gonna work on this new business model. 
Number 23, poor staff selection. You didn't choose the right people and didn't know it until it was too late. Number 24, you were promised external support which never came. You were promised investments from various investors and their lives changed. Maybe they passed away. That's happened to me a couple of times. You wouldn't believe it. Just before I pick up a check, the owner passed away. So it's, it happens. Number 25, you spend time and money on things that are not project critical. You've got to stay focused. Number 26, businesses failed because the target dates for product releases were unrealistic and didn't come to pass. Number 27, time management for the project, for the company, for the business got out of hand and people began to leave, support dwindles, product delivery schedules fail and your business goes under. 28, using the wrong external people for work you couldn't do and they got it completely wrong. We've had that discussion before. And number 29, wrong end user for the product or service. And finally, number 30, wrong market focus in all aspects of the business. Well, my friend, those are some of the things that go very badly for new business startups, whether that's an acquisition, startup, or franchise. It happens to everybody, even me, although I learned very quickly how to pivot. Well, my friend, those are some of the things that go very badly for new business startups, whether that's an acquisition, Startup or franchise, it happens to everybody, even me, although I learned quickly how to pivot. Let's pivot to some 3D BLM solutions. How do we get around all of these issues and give you a viable path or a bridge or ladder to get you out of the ruts created by others that are holding you back from creating your own successful business? We've stated 30 problems which people 40 plus have stopped them from succeeding or even just trying to start their own business. Now that you've heard what other people have tried and failed, let's talk about an approach to making your business successful. We will go over the solution details in the next podcast, but here are your two action steps for now. Tell me at gene at geneerwin.com. Number one, what is holding you back from your own business? Number two, what have you tried? Send those to me, gene at geneerwin.com. I'll respond to you in the order received. Now, I'm going to share with you the approach I'm going to recommend, and we'll go into detail on that in the next podcast. But here's what I would recommend as an approach for establishing businesses of all types, nationwide, worldwide for that matter. And I call it seven stages, and I'm not going to go into details, but let's just have a heart-to-heart talk here. We have to have some way to have an initial business set up whether it's in your home, whether it's a new business location, physical location, a brick and mortar as they call it, or whether it's online, or whether it's completely virtual. In any case, you have to have some type of a setup routine. Stage two, part A says we have to have a business that's a strategic named business. Center pizza may not mean much to anybody who's not in the center of town. So it's important to name the business in such a way that it's immediately recognized and people everywhere understand what it is. If you don't have a recognizable name on your type of business, it's gonna take longer and harder to get people to recognize who you are and what you do. Stage 2B, the types of products or services or intellectual property that you wanna market and sell. Maybe you wanna have a corporation that you're acquiring a division of that corporation and you want to modify some of the ways that they've done things. That's fine, but we better help you understand what you're doing. Stage 2C, 
mini step videos. We've created for you free videos to help you understand what it takes to start, create, develop, and expand your own successful home business. We'll go into that detail in our next podcast. Stage three, some of the things we need to talk about are your skills and the roles that are defined by your skills and by the needs of your company and your clients. Stage four, I'd suggest we do something called SWOT analysis. That approach would be to understand all aspects of your business, your competition, your opportunities, and so forth. We want to do that and help you understand how to do that for your industry as well as for your market. Once that's in place, you want to go to something called stage five, and that would be the final components in place. That means you've got all the details in place before you hit the launch or go button. It's important that all those things are in place before you spend tremendous amounts of energy, money, and effort. However, once you have launched your business, now it's time to make your first presentations, whether that's to investors or whether that's to a beta site potential client. It's time to understand the methodology about talking to people, what to say, how to say it, help them understand what it is you're looking for, what you want to accomplish. As I mentioned to you, your action steps in helping me understand what your needs are is to one, send me an email at gene at geneirwin.com which has the following two pieces of information to it. A, what is holding you back from your own business? B, what have you tried? I'll respond to those questions for you, see if we can be of service. So once we've completed our first sales presentation and developed our first beta site, the objective then of course is to expand that knowledge of that particular client and prospect until they're successful with either your product or service or it's been modified so it reaches the success and expectations of both you and the client. Then we convert that beta site into your first client help them to understand that part of your responsibilities and part of their responsibilities for being a beta site is to allow you from time to time without undue duress on their business and company is to either refer them into a three-way call so you can talk to them about your product and services as you started up the business with them or in fact take them by to show them the products and services in actual working conditions inside that new business. They'll be happy to help you as you help them grow. So that's the approach. The approach is to look at everything holistically first, from the initial business setup to perhaps your strategic naming process, the types of products and services you want to purvey, and the many steps on the videos on how to learn these kinds of things, the skills that you need, the roles that you want to define, the analysis and industry and market review, as well as the final components in place. If you'll do these things in a sequential fashion, You should be able to reduce your exposure, reduce your risks, reduce the costs long before you hit the go button or turn the key on the opening part of your business. This makes sense. Well, this is Gene Irwin, the founder of the 3D Business Launch Model. We will do everything we can to help you succeed in all that you do. Please get a hold of us at 1-800-750-8767 or drop us a line at gene at geneirwin.com. We're looking forward to hearing your comments. And we look forward to the next podcast as we go into detail and take a deep dive on what it takes to be successful in creating your own business for people who are 40 plus. Have a great day. This is Gene Irwin, the founder of the 3D Business Launch Model and the podcast, How at 40 Plus You Can Succeed Starting a New Business. Hello, this is Jessica of Gene Irwin's podcast. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. We want to make them even more useful to you by your leaving a brief review telling us what you want to hear. Please leave a review of this podcast and tell us three things. 1. What did you like? 2. What you didn't like? 3. What would you like to hear more about? Thanks for taking the time to give us your review. This is Jessica, the Communications Director for 3DBLM.com.